Why do people get bored in their relationships? Boredom in romantic relationships is a common issue that can arise over time. It's natural for the initial excitement and novelty of a relationship to fade as a couple becomes more familiar with each other. But boredom can also be a sign of deeper issues within the relationship or within the person individually who's experiencing that boredom. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Let's go over the different reasons why people actually get bored in a romantic relationship. I'm gonna end with my kind of theory of what really is happening underneath the surface, uh, but let's go over some of the ba- the basics that you might expect, that you might think that you, you would find if you were to kind of just kind of go through a checklist and make sure that, you know, you have these in your arsenal of reasoning so that you're, you're on the right track of thinking of how to solve them, because the first <laughs> the first step of fixing a, of any problem is is admitting there's a problem and then actually figuring out why it exists. So the first one, which should be no surprise, is a lack of novelty, right? The novelty of a new relationship can be exciting, but as a couple gets to know each other better and becomes more comfortable with each other, that excitement fades, And this can lead to boredom if there's not enough newness and novelty in the relationship to keep things interesting. Now, what do I mean by newness? What do do we mean when we say novelty? Are we saying that you should go out and buy some lingerie? No, not necessarily. Does it mean that the sex has become rote? Yes, that does happen quite a bit. But it's more than that. It's the sense of predictability that, that comes into a relationship. So if you're the kind of person who is not really happy where they are, and the kind of status quo of just doing the same thing every day is frustrating, then there might be something more going on beneath the surface because that status quo that you have is a life that you would have with or without your romantic partner. So really, it's not fair to blame them for the life that you've built and you've kind of come to sit into with with your new romantic partner or old for that matter sometimes this happens years into a relationship so spicing that up is one way to do it but also looking at your life and wondering why you're not happy one of the one of the most interesting things is looking at people in their 80s and their 90s especially when they get to a point where they have to live in another facility where people watch them. That consistency, that routine that they have becomes comforting, becomes exciting. People look forward to their bread pudding and their bingo. And I'm not trying to just stereotype octogenarians, you know, as as you know, mindless people who want routine. This is true of children as well. They thrive on routine. They love structure. And I think most of us have really just become a little too ambitious or a little too, 
you know, aggressive with kind of chasing after that next toy and haven't learned to appreciate the structure and appreciate the routine. And that goes double for a romantic relationship. Let's look at another reason, though. We'll get back to that in a second because there's more to talk about even with that. But I want to get through the list here. I have a few that I want to kind of go over. One is a lack of communication. And this is obvious. Any relationship therapist or couples counselor that you ever talk to in your entire life is going to ask, well, let's talk about your communication. Because the way you interact with your partner is kind of everything. And communication is a crucial part of not just romantic relationships, but any relationships. And a lack of communication, if you're not able to talk about things that are on your mind, can lead to boredom really because of the disconnection that you're having with your romantic partner. So if a couple's not communicating openly and honestly with each other, it can be difficult for them to stay engaged and connected with each other. And that disconnection kind of leads to this feeling of despair, leads to this feeling of loneliness. And that kind of one of the the precursors to the despair and loneliness is boredom because you feel disconnected. Another one might be a lack of shared interests. People often enter relationships because they have shared interests and values, but over time, those change. What matters to you changes over time, or sometimes they just fade away. And if a couple no longer has much in common, it could be difficult to find things to do together and maintain a sense of connection, which is why that deep sense of communication needs to be learned in a relationship. I had a an attorney on Raymond Heckmatt, um, and uh, you can listen to his episode, but he said his mentor kind of put it beautifully. He, he said it quite vulgarly, but he said you have to kind of give a crap what your partner gives a crap about. And you have to learn to, to celebrate their individuality. You have to learn to embrace what they care about and make it a shared interest or at least, at the very, very least, make it something that you care about just because you care about the person. That shared enthusiasm for values um, is kind of crucial for the longevity of a relationship. Another reason that uh, boredom might come into a relationship is a lack of effort. Okay, It does take a modicum of effort. Not a lot. We're not talking crazy here. I am a big proponent of dispelling the myth that relationships are hard work. That is total BS. They are not hard work compared to any other job or just about any other task, even something as simple as building a fence, relationships are a cakewalk as long as you put in some effort. But if one or both of you aren't putting in any effort to try and enhance the relationship, which, believe it or not, is most couples, that is going to lead to boredom. Because the resentment grows, there's no effort, there's no sense that the other person cares, and this leads to an emotional detachment, much like the idea of a lack of shared interest. Because you look at the person and you say, hey, they're not trying, so I'm not going to try. And when, when that cycle just continues, you just grow apart. And that lack of connection, that lack of you know, emotional closeness leads to boredom. Because boredom is you looking around to see what else you can do. That's all boredom is. Let's get this out of the way. Boredom is when you look around and say, what else can I do that's more fun than being here? 
If you enjoy your relationship, you won't get bored. If the place you'd rather be is with your partner, then boredom doesn't come up. You might feel bored together. That happens. My wife and I often will sit there on a Sunday and say, we're bored. We're not bored with the relationship. We're bored because we've been home for three weeks or we haven't done anything interesting, but we still want to be together. There's no sense of, oh, I got to look for a new partner or this relationship is boring. That doesn't exist in our lives because we'd rather be with each other more often than not, much more often than not. I'm very fortunate I found my soulmate. But, you know, we talk about this stuff. She's a therapist. I'm a counselor. I mean, this is something that comes up constantly. So we work on this stuff. Another thing is your relationship dynamic, right? Breaking this down on a, on a smaller level, the dynamic of relationship contributes to, a, to your boredom if one partner might be overly controlling or dominating. It could be stifling for the other partner. And that resistance, again, leads to resentment, leads to wondering, am I better off with someone else, somewhere else, on my own? That stifling is something that can lead to boredom. And again, remember, boredom is a precursor to despair, to resentment. So it's just like, you know, your warning sign that something is very, very wrong. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not really a, a thing that's happening in the couple. It's, a, it's an individual issue, a personal issue. Boredom can be someone who's struggling with low self-esteem or confidence. Could be difficulty that they have in finding joy in not just their relationship, but in life. And that's something that you really need to pay closer attention to if it's you. So if you're the one who finds yourself bored in the relationship because you don't have that, that kind of vigor and that zest for just being alive... It's not really fair to think of your relationship in those terms. You kind of have to hold the mirror up and wonder what's going on in your life. Because one thing I can promise you is if this is you or if this is your partner even and you leave the relationship or they leave the relationship, they will have the same problem with the next person. If you are bored with your relationship and you leave it and you, and you haven't figured out that maybe there's something going on with you, Guess what happens the next time you date someone? You're going to get bored. Usually, this is the most interesting thing, usually the same amount of time in to the relationship as when you got bored previously. There are people who have kind of, I've had clients where they get bored consistently every relationship two to three months into the relationship. Every time, like clockwork. And we had to kind of unpack that that really wasn't about being bored it was about a deeper sense of fear of connection. And so there's something underneath the surface there, and that really does require some deep introspection. Usually a, a professional has to kind of help you figure out what's going on. A therapist, a counselor, a coach, somebody needs to step in and tell you, hey, hey, there's something here that's bigger than you think, and we should explore this together because... It's clear that you haven't been able to hit the nail on the head. Because once you understand why it's happening, you start taking steps to really rectify it in your own life. And it becomes transformative. 
Another another reason that you might find yourself bored is there might be an unmet need. A romantic relationship should be a source for support, for fulfillment, emotionally, physically, for both partners. And if one of you is not getting the needs that they have met in the relationship, that can lead to, again, boredom, which is just a precursor to being dissatisfied, being resentful, and then looking for a new partner. Now, we can go, and I probably should have an episode just on needs versus wants, but I think needs should be kept to a minimum. However, that doesn't mean that there are no such thing as needs in a relationship. There very much are needs in a romantic relationship. For most people, sex is a need. If you're not having sex, then it's a platonic relationship. Now, sex can be defined in many ways. Frequency, what exactly constitutes sex, it's a whole big kind of thing. But that could be that that should be a need. There should be some sort of physical contact for it to be called a romantic relationship. Now, it doesn't have to be physical. It could be, you know, if, if especially if in extreme cases, if people are asexual or if people have medical conditions that prevents that, there, there are kind of other ways to explore and define sex. But there has to be that intimacy there in some way um, that constitutes a romantic relationship. Another need should be that the person cares about the intricacies of your life. I don't really see, and I, in my, in my long time working with people, I haven't seen a successful couple where both partners don't care a little bit about the details of the other partner's life. You don't have to be the most attuned person. I'm not saying that, but there has to be some effort, some desire to know the details of your partner's life. The people who are together where they got together, they're in a relationship, it was kind of hot and heavy in the beginning, and they knew everything about each other's lives, and then the other person just checked out. But maybe they have kids and they want to break it off. I've seen couples like that where they have, you know, they have their sex once in a while. They go out on an occasional date, but never just the two of them. They usually do group dates. It's not, it doesn't really work. Those couples don't tend to work. There has to be a friendship there. So I would say that the two, if I had to break it down to the two needs in a romantic relationship, one would be that physical intimacy in whatever way you define it. Classically, it's sex. And the second is friendship. And that's kind of it. You know, everything else is nonsense. Everything else is a luxury. You can kind of take it or leave it. But those two things are really where relationships are made. So what can we do to kind of combat some of these things? And I'll go into, you know, what I think on a psychological level is, is, is really happening underneath the surface with all of these. Well, one thing you could do Make an effort to try new things together. If you are the kind of people that like to go to restaurants, find new restaurants. If you like hiking, find new hiking trails. Look for new things to do together. A shared experience is key when you are in a relationship. You have to have shared experiences. In fact, I I have a couple... Uh, 
and I've had couples like this in the past where one person is incarcerated. And so how do you keep the relationship alive? One thing I usually recommend is that both of you read the same book so that you have a shared experience that you can talk about. And a new book is a new thing. Now, it's, you know, that's a very extreme example because what you can do, the freedom is obviously very limited, but there are there are always ways if you're creative. A second thing you could do is, is learn to start communicating and communicate openly, honestly. If you feel bored, bored is a kind of an emotion. And I, my, my biggest piece of advice to anybody learning to talk with their partner in a more productive way is learn to talk about your emotions. Because that is something that no one can really argue with. It takes uh, conversations from being defensive and critical of each other to exploratory. When you start using words like I feel and I'm you know, unsettled with or this is bothering me um, and you make it about what's going on inside of you, your partner doesn't have their defense mechanism up because you're not attacking them. So when you say, hey, listen, I'm feeling a little bored and I, I want to see what we could do to kind of fix it and maybe something's wrong with me, but you know, can you help me with this? When you're asking for help, when you talk about your emotional state, assuming your partner is interested in you and there's empathy there, that is a conversation that's going to go much differently with, I'm bored, you're boring, I'm going to find something to do on my own. There's not, there's, there's not a positive way to react to that unless you are the most patient, most trained you know, conversationalist in the world. But going up to someone and saying, hey, I'm feeling bored and I think we should go out and do something because you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of restless and, I, you know, I'm wondering if there's more to this relationship and it's probably me. You know, when you start exploring it, it's a different conversation. So learn those skills, learn how to communicate openly, honestly, but not in an attacking way. And if you need help, that's where professionals come in. Those are tools that nearly everyone needs to learn. It's not something... That is kind of innate. I, I've, I've yet to see someone who just figured it out. There are, there are tools to learn in a romantic relationship in terms of how you have these conversations. Another thing you could do is work on finding new shared interests. So if you got to that point in your relationship where you have changed your sense of values, what's important to you has changed or your partner is in that point. Find new shared interests, make an effort, find activities, find hobbies that you both enjoy doing together. I've seen couples who had one kind of thing, whether it was hiking or I had one couple that liked uh, rock climbing, mountain climbing, and they used to go to this rock climbing gym and... But after an injury, they, you know, one partner couldn't do it and it was frustrating. And believe it or not, they both picked up needlepoint. They were both, you know, one of them started doing it on, on the couch and the other person started doing it too. And the quality time they spent together and the, the things that they were able to teach each other because they watched different YouTube videos or in different books, it became a new hobby. I never would have saw it coming. I'll be the first to admit rock climbing to needlepoint is a huge leap, but it happened. And finding that new hobby brought them back together. The other thing you should do is 
show appreciation, show gratitude for your partner and the things they do for you. Now, how is this going to cure boredom? Why am I even suggesting this? Well, when you show appreciation, when you show gratitude, two things happen. One, it the, the appreciation puts your partner in a place of feeling loved. And when they feel loved, instantly they want to start doing things with you, doing things for you, and it starts breaking the cycle of doing the same thing. If, if I feel really appreciated in my own marriage, I start thinking, well, what can I do for my wife? I mean, if she really went out of her way to tell, tell me how much she appreciated me, well, let's do something together because it makes me feel good. It makes me want to spend time with her. The second thing that happens is when you show gratitude, you are training your brain whether you believe it or not in the beginning, eventually it gets there. This is one of those things where you fake it till you make it and it really does work. When you're showing gratitude, there's a sense of joy that comes in because you focus on things you're really grateful for in the relationship. Your mind starts hovering around those things, starts marinating on those things you're grateful for, and you start experiencing the joy that comes from gratitude and joy is the antithesis to boredom. It's very hard to be happy and joyful and bored at the same time. I won't say it's impossible, but it's very, 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 very hard. Another thing you should do is look into the future. I am huge on forward movement. I don't like dwelling too much on the past. There's not a lot that can be gained from it, to be honest. You learn your lesson, you move on, forward movement. Set goals for your relationship. Have shared dreams. Help each other accomplish those goals and those dreams. Having long-term goals for you, for each other is something that is, is like a constant thing you can focus on and get excited about through the boredom. My wife is working right now on her doctorate. I'm super proud of her. She's been doing it. And I ask her about her papers. And yes, it's not the most exciting thing, but when she gets a good score on a, on a paper or when she gets a good score on a test, I'm genuinely excited for her. And she's excited to share it with me because we have that shared experience towards a goal for her. She's going to become a psychologist. She's already a brilliant therapist. She's always wanted to get that degree. She's always wanted to have that status. And I am thrilled that she's done. I mean, I couldn't be more proud. And then lastly, I mean, I've mentioned it a couple times, you can seek professional help. If, if the boredom is something that is perpetual in your life, you can't figure it out, you can't seem to solve it, then by all means, you should be seeing someone, whether it's me, a member of my team, or someone else, doesn't really matter. Get help. I don't care where you get help from. Obviously, if you think I'd be the right guy for you, I'd be honored to work with you, but there's no shame. There is no shame in asking for help. If you had a problem with your knee, you wouldn't be scared to go to the doctor and say, hey, my knee's acting up. We have these problems in our lives. Hey, I'm bored. I don't understand why. Let me go talk to an expert about figuring this out. So here's my big theory about boredom. And and this is kind of what I wanted to get at at the end here um, after going over some basics and just kind of going through the checklist of things you can see through. And this is something I subscribe to quite a bit. It's not original with me by any means. I've heard it many times from different people, but I think this is really like the big one. Boredom is a feeling that we've all experienced at one point or another. It's a feeling of restlessness, of frustration, 
And it arises when we're not engaged that's something that interests us, but what causes it, you know, the question is, is it really a lack of stimulation or is it something else? So for me, when we have high expectations for how we should be spending our time, it can easily become boredom when those expectations aren't met. So for example, if we expect to be entertained or stimulated at all times, we might become bored when we're faced with a situation that doesn't meet those expectations and a romantic relationship is no exception. There are a few reasons why unrealistic expectations might lead to boredom. First, high expectations just set you up for disappointment. When we expect a lot from a situation, we're less likely to find joy in it. We're less likely to find a thrill in it if it doesn't live up to our expectations. And this leads to boredom because we're not getting the kind of payoff that we were expecting or hoping for. Unrealistic expectations also lead to a sense, and this is key, to a sense of entitlement. And this is a like a virus that has spread through today's culture. We are constantly expected to be stimulated or entertained at all times. Between the social media platforms we see, the instant connection we can get through, you know, Apple watches and different devices we have on us at all times. I mean, we are more able to be connected with anyone and anything at any time today, and yet we feel more depressed and more alone than ever before because our attention spans have just shrunk to nothing. And so that unrealistic expectation is really at the core of all boredom. There is, I don't think you can, go, if you had a time machine and you went back to the 1800s, before all this noise that we have in our life existed, and you went to someone who was sitting on a farm, they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell you they're bored. I don't think they would. First of all, there was a burden, right? There was a burden to actually go out and work and fetch the water. And, and the relaxation, the sense of accomplishment in getting water or you know, getting food or earning a, a, a mediocre living was so, the sense of accomplishment was so real that the relief that you could just sit and be and be around the people you love was so great that boredom, I don't think, really existed in a way that exists today. One of the greatest gifts that my family has is Shabbat. So we keep the Sabbath. We don't use electricity on Saturday from Friday night to Saturday night. We unplug and we learn to sit. My kids know how to be off of devices for 24, 25-ish hours because they do it every week. And we do it every week. My wife and I do it every week. Yes, we take naps, but we also walk to our synagogue, our shul, we also have conversations with people who also aren't on their phones. And learning to sit and be has been an incredible gift in understanding joy. Now, do my kids say they're bored? Absolutely. Absolutely, they say they're bored. I don't want to pretend that this is like a magic wand. But the older they get, the more they realize that 
Their boredom is up to them to fix. It is not your responsibility as a parent to fix your child's boredom, and it is not your responsibility as a romantic partner to entertain your partner. They have to figure that out. And if they have this expectation that it's always going to be exciting and always going to be, uh, you know, unreal and stimulating, then they have very a very bad concept of what to expect in their own life. And it's it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. I think if you're if you're not a religious Jew, which most people aren't in the world, let's be, you know, I think that's less than a tenth of a percent or a thousandth of a percent when you boil it down to people who actually keep the Sabbath. One thing I prescribe to every single client, student, patient, whatever you want to call them that I've had is meditation. Meditation shows you that you don't need to do anything. You sit there for 10 to 20 minutes and you just be. And it's hard for people who haven't done it before. That's why it's called a practice of meditation because it actually takes effort. But once you learn to embrace the nothingness, the stillness, your mind is, is, I mean, your mind is incredible. And for it to be able to just sit still without stimulation is such a regenerative tool. And when you learn to, to, to really harness it, boredom starts to be a joke. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with an example that just happened recently. I went to an indoor water park with my kids over winter break. It's called Great Wolf Lodge. Real fun for the kids. And the kids ran off and did their water slides. And my wife went with one of my other kids to go play bingo in the lobby. And I had to man the fort with all the towels and everything and make sure that, that someone was there in case... One of the kids got hurt on a slide. So I, I had the duty, the dad duty of sitting there and kind of just doing nothing. And my cell phone was up in the room and I didn't want to go get it. I didn't want to leave the kids alone. And I thought to myself, I don't need it. And, you know, there was something magical because the constant water f- pouring f- out of the water slides and the wave pool just had this big sound, this echo, you know, this watery, it was like being inside of a seashell, just constant water gushing around. It drowned out most conversation, not all of them, but most of them. And I could have sat there going, oh, this is bored, this is bored, and stuffed my face with french fries. Or, But instead, I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to meditate. And I sat there, and I just used the meditation techniques I've learned my, myself that I've talked to other people and two hours went by in about 10 minutes. And I'll, I got to tell you there, I have not been on a vacation where I've done less and I've not done, and I've not been on a little vacation where I've enjoyed it more. I came out of the meditative state, happy to see my kids having fun, relaxed, re-energized to go walk up those crazy amount of stairs to go back on the slides, learning to sit and be and just experience the joy that is constantly around us through meditation is the great, is one of the greatest gifts you can learn if you actually learn how to harness it. 
So boredom is is uh, is a complicated thing, and uh, you know it has to really do with your concept of what a relationship is, what life is, and learning to kind of power through it usually mandates you examining your perspective on what life is and what relationships are as a whole. Hate to break down, you know, hate to break it down with such big statements, but it's true. If you're bored in a relationship, you got to ask yourself, what's going on with you? Of course, it could just be that you're with the wrong person. That's also possible. I mean, I got to throw that in there. You, if you're with the wrong person, you don't want to be around them. You're going to be bored because anything they do is going to feel wrong. And so your body's saying, well, let's just throw down the boredom signal down the neuro pathway so that eventually he realizes or she realizes, get out, get out, wrong person. It's totally possible too. If you're struggling in your relationship or you feel like you need a little bit of handholding to understand how to go from having a bad or even a so-so relationship to the one of your dreams, then I would love to speak with you. Head over to my website, mrspirituality.com. That's mrspirituality.com. And you'll find a big button there or a phone number. Just click or call and let's set up a free 20-minute consultation with you where you could speak to me or someone from our team one-on-one just you and us for 20 minutes where we can kind of guide you and show you how we can transform you into a relationship expert yourself. Again, it's a completely free consultation. Just head over to mrspirituality.com. Again, that's mrspirituality.com and click or call and we'll set something up for you right away.